Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ventures Podcast. Today's episode with Jamila Shillow is um, all about NFTs, the good, the bad, and the ugly of non-fungible tokens. Jamila has a really extensive background in the art world, all different types of arts. And so we get into the conversation about how sort of the mainstream art community has, has been receiving NFTs, why some people have a strong negative visceral reaction to NFTs, but also, you know, a lot of the good, why, how communities are being formed, how, how different uh, social causes are being promoted, how, how communities are coming together to kind of organize and, and promote not only businesses, money directly to artists, but a, a, a number of new markets that we discuss in this episode that I think we, we could not have imagined two years ago um, that I think is, is actually encouraging. So like I say at the beginning, I, th I think the space is, is, is simultaneously awesome and ridiculous. And so <laughs> for us to move forward in a way that is, is beneficial for humanity, that helps humans flourish, I think is, is key here. So if you're listening to this episode, you can also watch by visiting wclittle.com. There you'll see more extensive show notes and different links to the things that we talk about today. And if you're watching, you can always, of course, just listen anywhere that you get your podcasts. You can just search for Ventures. So with that, please enjoy this conversation with Jamila Schiller. All right, Jamila, welcome to the show. Hi. So this last year especially has been a pretty wild ride in the Web3 space for all things NFTs, which I'm looking forward to uh, diving into that from a variety of different angles. But maybe before we do that, because this is first time on the show, although uh, we've done a number of different podcasts on the Proto Podcast. So people listening in or watching, if you search for the Proto Podcast, you'll see uh, me and Jamila and a number of other guests there. But would you mind just introducing yourself a little bit about your background story thus far? Uh, all right. Hi, Will. Hello, fans. Uh, I'm Jamila Shillow. I'm one of the managing directors of Proda, and I'm super excited to be here with you today. And uh, as I was telling Will, I'm excited to talk about NFTs. And to just give you a little bit of background about me, uh, I love art, but I also am a member of the Arts Club Chicago, and I am a co-chair of their um, programming board. So I do spend a good amount of my free time kind of surrounded by art, but like older art but I also sort of have a foot in digital art. So it's something that I'm very much interested in. It's something that I sp study. I spend a lot of time um, sort of watching these trends and figuring out why they are what they are. And uh, that's kind of, I think, what we're hopefully gonna be discussing today. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, so you have some opinions, which is good, because this no. space is <laughs> both, I would say my opinion, both sort of awesome and ridiculous at the same time. So we can talk a little bit about that. Uh, let's start with the basics. What is an NFT? All right, non-fungible token, right? So the best way to describe it is, uh, let's say that you go uh, to a museum and the Mona Lisa is there, right? There's only one Mona Lisa. Someone has already certified that this is the Mona Lisa. Um, if you take a picture of it, it doesn't matter. That is not the Mona Lisa. The original Mona Lisa is right there in front of you and somebody owns that and that is 100% certified. Now just pretend that the Mona Lisa is a digital asset. So that means that it's, uh, and it's a weird way to say it, but like a picture on your screen. So someone has created a piece of art or music or something of that nature, 
And they said, this is the only one. And even if somebody takes a picture of it, even if somebody copies it exactly, this one is certified and it's certified through blockchain. And this is the original. So I think that might be the easiest way to describe it to somebody. Yeah, I like it. Um, I like it. So why, what's up? Like, why did these become so popular? Like, why, why, why why is it all the rage the last year? And we see bored apes and pudgy penguins and lions and zebras <laughs> and like, you know, adjective animal all over the place. And people are using them for their profile pictures. What, what happened? So there's a couple of kind of interesting things that happened, right? The first thing that happened is we live in a digital world, but it took the art world a really long time to accept that, mm. right? So there's all these people who consider themselves tastemakers. Like if you go to the Louvre in France, or if you go to any like big art house anywhere in any major city in the world, there are these people there who decide that this is art and this art has value. And this is how much the art should cost. And they sell it to people who can afford it. And those people say, look, I have this fancy art. And the longer I have it, the more valuable it gets. And then one day you're Oprah and you sell like a Gus Van Sant for like, I think it was like $150 million or $180 million, right? Mm. Like, So there's these people who are like tastemakers and they're very, very like particular about being tastemakers. Like, you know, it's a very exclusive club and they decide what is art, right? And it took years for even things like the Museum of Modern Art to happen where, you know, Jeff Koontz could come in with his like, you know, the little dog that's like a a balloon, the balloon dog that's made out of metal and it's giant and people for people to say, okay, now this is art, right? But like those people at the time were considered very like risque. And I compare people who are creating NFTs to that right now. And the other thing is we ignored graphic designers for a really long time. (laughs) So there are these people who are making amazing art. These graphic designers were doing this art, but they were doing it on the computer. And because you could press, you know, click and copy and, you know, send it to like a, a thousand people that everybody was like, this isn't really art, right? Because it's not rare. And, you know, Juck, whatever in the Louvre has not said that it's art. So all this talent was almost like going to waste and the tastes weren't really changing. So I think what happened is we had a bunch of people that were like, I'm artists, I'm an artist. And now I can create something and make it one of a kind. I can certify it and I can put it up there and I can contact people who have the means to buy these things, but are not quite considered tastemakers. Because if you look at the people who really champion NFTs, it's like a lot of celebrities, but they're not like tastemakers, if that makes Mm, sense, right? mm -hmm. Like it's like your Paris Hilton's and your Justin Bieber's, especially Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton is like NFT queen right now. I don't know if you guys are following Mm. anything she's doing with NFTs, but it's actually um, the way that she's pushing it forward, I think would have taken NFTs on their own like 10 years to even just get to that level. Like- she goes on Jimmy Fallon and openly discusses what an NFT is and, you know, talks about like, you know, how she wants to buy them and sell them and their value and all these things. And it seems like a weird thing, right? Like why should somebody who maybe in the two thousands, we, as a, you know, as a collective people decided was like, you know, a joke, right? Like a blonde in a baby doll dress. And now she is a tastemaker. She's saying these NFTs are valuable, you know, Mm. buy them. She's gifting them to people. Like there's all these things that she's doing to increase their value. Mm. And I know who she is. Right. But I don't know who, um, you know, currently runs the like natural history museum. I don't know who owns all these art galleries, but I, you know, I'm at the same age as she is. I've literally been following her my entire life. Mm. So 
you know, not to say like, I'm a big fan or anything like that, but what she's doing makes sense. It's the same thing with like Justin Bieber, like people know who Justin Bieber is. So when Justin Bieber buys a, uh, board ape for, I think it was like $8 million or something crazy like that, you know, people are like, Oh, he just bought a valuable piece of artwork. Like it's worth putting in the news. He wasn't a tastemaker before so much, but I would say that he is a becoming a tastemaker now by putting his money where this artwork is. Mm. So this concept of tastemaker, right? I, 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 yeah. I've, I've been in Web3 crypto for long enough to know that the, the, the tastemakers in finance, the tastemakers in technology, the tastemakers in venture capital, the tastemakers now sounds like art, um, have been, let's say, not so popular with the masses. And so there's been a bit of a revolution. What do you think? Is that a, is that a good thing? Like, what's your, what's your comment on the, on, the, on the masses trying to get in on this? I personally think it's an amazing thing. Right. Like I, and I think for me, it, it always comes down to social and you will, you know, me. it always comes down to a social justice thing, but I think it's crazy that we have like the, the, you know, the, the British museums that have like all these artifacts from other countries and, you know, they decide that these are valuable now arbitrarily, you know, and whereas like, why, like, why do you get to decide when something is, is valuable? Like, why not let the masses decide when something is valuable? Why not let people who who want to do this decide to do this and also look at the artwork that is becoming nfts that are becoming popular nfts like um i don't know if you remember the band the gorillas that did i don't know if i remember the gorillas um in the i want to say in the the early 2000s there was a, a a musical group that um only created animations of themselves so Mm -hmm. they were like they would do music videos where it was all animated they did like a cribs episode where they were animations of themselves you never saw who the people really were Ah. yeah and they were they were like insanely popular and if you look at the style of like um nfts and stuff that are coming out right now it's kind of that same cool animated style that like really got i think i personally feel like gets ignored like it gets ignored because it, it feels too like maybe a little too urbane, a little too, like in some respects, I think people will look at it and say like, oh, well, this is just like low class artwork, right? Like it's not, it feels like a comic book or it feels like whatever, but why isn't that art? Like, why not? So yeah, I think it's amazing. I also think it's amazing because anybody can get into it. Mm. Like I can go and, you know, you know, I can go and find somebody like, this is, this is a weird way to go about it, but hypothetically you could go and find somebody who's tweeting that you, that, you know, they put up their tweets and you could take pictures of their tweets every day if they're sort of famous and uh wait for them to delete one take the one that they deleted turn that into an nft and sell it and do all sorts of like weird things like that like it's not really it's you know there's there's all sorts of like interesting ways that you can get into this i i don't recommend that one because it feels a little predatory but there's <laughs> kind of cool things that you can do that you probably weren't able to do before that you know i think that you would maybe consider like pop art in some respects Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, anybody can go take a picture of a potato, sell it at an NFT for a billion dollars if somebody will pay for it. <laughs> if, exactly. If somebody will pay for it. But there's also this kind of idea of like devaluing um, sort of like other things. And I think this is what the tastemakers are worried about. Like if people are buying NFTs, if you know, people want bored apes. Well, what about my, what about these, like, you know, these Bacchiats that I've spent my whole life curating like is that are these worthless now and i don't think that's the case i think it's just a different medium that needs to yeah. be accepted 
So let's talk about these markets then. Why are people spending seven, eight figures buying JPEGs? <laughs> why, why is this happening? So one, certified JPEGs, right? So we, it's, you know, okay, it's fair, fair. the only JPEG of it that has been certified by, you know, blockchain. So, you know, it is, it is the, the okay. only one. So you know, that, it's unique. Yep. You know, it's unique. Um, I think two is why would you spend millions of dollars to buy like a painting? Mm. You know, it's the same. It's kind of the exact same reason. Like sometimes it's the art calls to you. Sometimes it's a, you know, a value play. Like you're hoping that the, the cost of it will go up. Sometimes it is, you know, your own personal want to be sort of a tastemaker to have those sorts of things in your home or in your, you know, in your portfolio and your lifestyle. And then I think some of it, I think some of it is kind of a rebellion to be honest mm. with you, you know? Mm. So, and I think there's a, there is like an art rebellion that's kind of happening, right? Where like all these underground, all these people are coming out of kind of the underground and they're like, well, we can do something cool too. Because you know? they're rebelling like against these tastemakers. Yeah, they're rebelling against the tastemakers and they're probably just rebelling against old ideas, right? Like mm. why... Why do I have to pick up a paintbrush if I can, you know, if I can use my mouse? Like if, you know, one thing it doesn't have to, like, why do I have to fly? Why does someone have to fly halfway around the world sometimes to see a piece of artwork? Like when, you know, there might be access to it on your computer and you can see it and you can share it with the whole wide world and still own it. You know what I mean? And I think that's something else too, right? Like we, there, there's never been an opportunity like this ever in the history of time to truly just share your art. Yeah. And that's something or art that you love. Like if you're so passionate about this artwork and like you buy it, you know, people can still see what it looks like. Like, you know, they can, you know, you can display it on your open seas page and like let people see it live. And that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That from, from my opinion, it feels like we need the geo cities of, of yeah. NFT land, right? We need the MySpace. We're not quite there yet. The analogous time is where we're probably somewhere in the mid to late nineties. I guess maybe geo geocities were a thing, but it, there's, it, it, from my perspective, and maybe you are aware, there's no multi-chain gallery. I, I know there's gallery SO and maybe others, but there's not, there's no one place that it's, if I want to go look at Jamila's NFTs, the ones that she wants to show off to the world. Yeah. Right now, there's some, if, if you buy an ENS domain, right? If you have Jamila.eth, which I don't know if you do, but you might want to check to see if that's available. Buy it. <laughs> then I can go to anybody's Ethereum address and look at all their NFTs. Now, this very popular video, skeptical of NFT land called Line Goes Up was published. And he made the world aware that um, your Ethereum address is public. Anybody can put any art and just graffiti your wall <laughs> uh, at any time. In fact, malicious attackers have put malicious NFTs on somebody's wall, like celebrities' walls, because yeah. you can't, the only way to get rid of them is to transfer them out. And then people sign to transfer them out and then they have malicious code in them and it drains their whole wallet. So there are problems with just putting a public address on, let's say Ethereum, because that's a very public, anybody can move anything into that address at any time. So let's talk about, the good, bad, and the ugly. I think I just touched on one part of the ugly. Yeah. But if you were to sort of recap the good, sounds like you're disrupting tastemakers. Like how, how would you, how would you re recap the good of yeah. NFTs? I think that's a perfect way to say it. One, definitely disrupting the tastemakers, right? Like so that 
Um, it allows us to see new artists easily, right? Because even now to this day, if you want to be an artist artist, you need like someone to sponsor you and you need someone, you know, you need like possibly some kind of training and schooling and supplies and all this good stuff. You know, now you just need your laptop Wi-Fi, you know, and hopefully some decent graphic design software, open source it, you know? And um, so disrupting the tastemakers too, it's, I, there is some transfer of wealth in some respects. Like you yeah. might buy an M, you know, you might buy an F, uh, NFT and it'll be worth X, Y, Z, you know, be worth a ton of money or you might create one and then it might blow up and, you know. Get and and you're putting money directly into the wallets of the, the of creators. Yeah. yeah. Now there is a little bit of something in that just on the flip side of it is that not every, any, every NFT is going to be valuable or retain its value. Just like the same thing with any investment, right? Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're looking from a purely art stand form, you're like, yes, I can share my work. This is amazing. This is beautiful, wonderful. Um, but if you're looking at it from some of a fiscal, like a fiscal standpoint too, and you're like, I am going to go out, I'm going to, you know, I've got half a million dollars and I'm just going to buy NFTs. Like you might lose half a million dollars. Like, you know, it is what it is. And that's, that's part of the, that's part of the bad and the ugly. Like you, you could easily spend, you know, you could easily get caught up in the hype and lose a ton of money. Um, and I think the really ugly is what you're talking about right now with like things like that malicious code. And just like, you know, when the internet first came out and it was sort of like the wild, wild west. Um, I think NFT world is still a little bit of the wild, wild west, right? Like, so there isn't enough yeah. regulation there. And a lot of people hate regulation. So, you know, sometimes it's hard to get those things, but um, I'm just going to uh, lowbrow it a little bit. Like if anybody's watching that show on Hulu, that's like the Pam and Tommy like sex tape and how like at the time there were just no rules on the internet. So when that, you know, when their tape got released, there was no protections for them whatsoever. Um, in some respects, NFTs are a little bit like that. Like, you know, people can go on your Ethereum, you know, uh, address and go on your wall and send you malicious code and all these things. And that is, you know, very bad because the people that are buying these things tend to have, a, you know, a good amount of money and like, you know, they might get their banks broken into, or, you know, they might get Bitcoin stolen. And, um, I have a friend that, uh, you know, works in, you know, worked very steadily in Bitcoin for a while. And he like, he like, literally, if I like text him, hi, he's like, are you a bot? Like instantly he's like, are you like, are you a scammer trying to scam me and you right. know, scam me Bitcoin? And I'm like, oh, no. yeah. Hello. I always assume I'm getting scammed. I mean, yeah, I, I get, yeah. I don't know how many calls a day from people or emails trying to fish, uh, and yeah, you know, I'm in some pretty weird discords, which I kind of like sort of seeing kind of <laughs> cypherpunk, solar punk cu culture. Uh, and, but I just always assume that everything, <laughs> everything's a scam. I try, yeah. in fact, the most, a lot of these scams are pretty sophisticated. They will bring in all kinds of different, like they'll have lots of different points of celebrities and other people that you trust potentially verifying Right. There's like constantly scams going on on YouTube where they'll take videos of people, of celebrities, and just put a little like a screen wrapper around it that these people are giving away ether or something. Anyway, just constantly yeah. scams <laughs> going right, on. It takes so little to do those scams. Right. But like yeah. if they if they get the right person, they can like get a ton of, you know, they can get a lot of money out of it. Like they can, That's you know, right. it's the, um, the old, what is it? The like, uh, give us your social security number. I'm an exiled prince scam. Like it was like the night period. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, no, you know, most people don't respond to that. And then you get that one person that does and that scammer goes hard. Like they're yeah. like, okay, someone responded. Like I am going to, you know, this is it. This is my target. This is my mark. And I think it's the same thing. Like 
it's the same thing with like NFTs. I think whenever there's something where there's money to be made, there's always going to be people that are going to try to take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised. And I think, I don't know if this is happening and I just like haven't read an article about it. I'm surprised that these major art institutions haven't started turning their artwork into NFTs. Um, because if you were to think about it from a logical standpoint, it would, uh, you know, you know, double your assets really, right? Like, you yeah. know, you have your physical thing, you have your NFT, and then you can even create like, you know, marketplaces where you can sell the NFT, but you still get to keep the physical piece. All Unless these, they like, thought it would, what do you think it would, they might suspect it would decrease the value of their physical pieces if they went online as well? I, part, of, part of it or is just totally different worlds? I hate to say this, but I think it's totally different worlds. I think that the it is a much older group of people that are like on the board of directors of these places and that run these places. Like, um, might actually increase the value. Right. And I think it's, it's a confusing concept, right? Because previously your artwork was more valuable, the less people saw it in some respects, right? The rarer it was like the more, the less on display it was, the more protected mm. it was, the more we were like, wow, this is a big deal. Like it's time to see it. But I feel like with NFTs, it's the opposite, right? So like if you, you know, if someone takes a board ape and they kind of like, you know, take a screenshot of it and they put it in um, Adobe and they, you know, and they they altered a little bit and they put it back up, that board ape just became cooler, right? The original board ape just became cooler yeah. because more people are seeing it. And so this concept is, it's it's a very hard concept for art people to grasp. It's, it's so um, strange to them, you know, like, um, places that I've been that do a lot of like physical artwork that, you know, they, you know, they fly somebody in and they fly their installation in and it's only for three weeks and you have three weeks to come and no photographs inside the building. And, you know, like all these things to sort of protect the privacy, the, the privacy of the artwork. Like, you know, if they find somebody put it up on Instagram, they ask them to take it down right away because, you know, we, you know, the, you have to come and you have to physically experience it in order for you to understand this. And I think NFT people are like, nah, it's cool. Yeah, take a screenshot of it. Do whatever you want. Like, yeah. So, in fact, the more it gets pumped around, the better. The hot, the more it'll it'll increase in value, right? And that's why they put all the board apes up in Times Square and they're and the, the Super Bowl commercials and all this stuff. They want to get these out there because it pumps the value. And so there's there was basically three, when it when it came out, there were three things that caught my eye in, in terms of how I think everybody, especially artists, should be thinking about these. Number one, just make art and sell it. Like your, your, your wacky friends in, in crypto will probably buy it. Right. I, I am one of those wacky friends. So I, any of my artist friends who are listening or watching this, please put NFTs up and let me know, like pump me your, your NFTs because I will probably buy them. Um, so that's great. Like more money to more money to artists. Yeah. The second thing is NFTs for social causes, right? One of the first NFTs I, I purchased, um, at least that I've displayed publicly, right? There's some that I don't, that I maybe just, <laughs> although it's interesting to buy an NFT and not share it because it kind of goes counter to a lot of what of these NFT clubs are doing. But one of the first uh, NFTs that I show on my Ethereum address is called Alpha Girl Club. And I bought two of these NFTs and they're all about female empowerment and raising awareness for mental health. And I've attended a bunch of their like open night mic nights on, on Twitter spaces. And it's a bunch of people sharing. I've I've gone up on stage and, and shared with them about sort of family stories around mental health, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just this really cool community 
that has come together just, you know, yet maybe some people are just speculating that these NFTs are going to go up, but the more beautiful part is actually the community that is coming around these social causes. And then the third thing is for businesses. Businesses should develop NFT strategies as a, as a way not just to sell art to make money, not just to sell art to build a community that's going to market this, but it actually can create interesting dynamics for ownership, for participation in creation, to allow your business to go directions you may never, never have, especially if you corners of the metaverse, new markets that you can't even dream of right now and like different gaming. That's that's the spectrum, at least how I'm thinking about it. Is there anything anything you would comment on or or or, or yeah. refine on my the way I'm thinking about that? Yeah. So what's really interesting too is I think an area that people completely forget about is music, right? So you know, if you know, you used to go to the store and maybe you would buy it. Well, I would buy a CD, but like, you know, people, I mean, they'd buy an album, right? And maybe it was like the first album that got released of this thing. And it like there was an experience there of like opening the album, listening to it. And with music becoming more digital, like you buy your albums, you know, streaming on your service or Spotify or whatever. Um, some of that experience has been lost. And I think it's really interesting because I think NFTs are bringing some of that experience back. So what happens is an artist can record an album and then they can do a little bit of extra um, in that album and they can create an, like an NFT. And this is like our, you know, our, our original release, our first, you know, this is, yeah. this is the only one. And I, you know, I, as the artist gave like a little bit of a forward and a little bit at the end, I, you know, I talked a little bit at the back end of the album, or I add an extra song or something like that. And that is now yours and you can own it. And it's, it adds, it sort of adds to that experience, right? So there's, there's this experiential value, right? And then there's what you're talking about with the communities um, being built up around NFTs. It's amazing what art can do to raise awareness for social causes. And I think um, the way that NFTs get shared, that makes a huge difference in how people see it. And I think with me, um, and you and I will have discussed this previously, but like, uh, I'm Palestinian, my parents, you know, I'm a child of diaspora, which means that like, really, um, probably my family members and I are probably never really going to truly be able to ever go back to Palestine, mm -hmm. um, because of the way, you know, the situation is over there. But, um, and I told you this story a while ago, um, someone had found the first driver's license issued in Ramallah ever. And it turned out that it was my great, great grandfather. And they'd put it up on Facebook and they were like, this is the first driver's license issued ever in Ramallah. And like, you know, people were tagging until it finally came back to our family members. Um, and I think how amazing would it be to have sort of that, the NFT of that driver's license and how amazing would it be to be able to like display that. Right. And how amazing would it be to even just be able to go back and collect all these artworks and to be able to give them back to their original owners and, but also be able to create NFTs of them. So they still exist somewhere, right? So you can still view them and pub, you know, send them out to people. You can um, own a piece of them if you want, if someone wanted to sell it, but then you still actually get to keep like the physical copies. And I think there's something so amazing in that culturally. And I think that's an experience that uh, like NFTs really like afford people. Like yeah. I, I truly think that, um, photography is going to go sort of in this direction too. Like, I think you're going to find a lot of like physical photographs and like NFTs of photographs, you know, <coughs> excuse me, especially as things are happening out in the world right now, 
um, because everyone has their, you know, they have their cell phone, they have their camera. And I think it's, it's going to sound weird, but I think we're going to be able to like NFT life experiences, if that makes sense. hundred percent. So it's, and to me, that's, that's probably the, the miracle of it all, right? Like if I can, through a piece of digital artwork, put myself in someone else's shoes to understand what their life is like, like, you know, like there's no reason you can't create like a day in the life of, you know, a mother in Gaza and make that into an NFT artwork and it'd be like a series, you know what I mean? Love and then put that out. Like there's so many beautiful things that you can do. And then it's also just a way for people to share experiences because when it's out there and it's in the world, we can talk about it. Yeah. So like, you know, like this, the conversations can happen, right? Because like, again, and I, you know, I keep using Palestine as an example. It's just because, you know, I am Palestinian. So it's, it's an easy one for me to use, but like, you know, there's um, people who are from Gaza who they haven't been back in, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. There's people who never met their grandparents. Right. Mm-hmm. But like in some ways, you know, if there was like a record or if there was artwork or these pieces, those are just like pieces that you can take home with you. You know, like you can see sort of a different life. I would love, by the way, the entrepreneurs listening in, please <laughs> make this because I would love to go to Jamila's gallery and see photographs, see artwork, see, you know, listen to audio clips, listen to video, listen and watch videos. Yeah. However you would want to display it across whatever chain you want to buy these on where you can prove digital scarcity, but it's your way to share with the world these stories. I would want to hang out there and you know read all the stories, learn about the, all those experiences. That would be really cool. And that's yeah. kind of what I mean by the GeoCities, right? If, if everybody had this for themselves, that, and then we can layer on social protocols, we can layer on DeFi, we can layer on DAOs, we can layer on ownership, we can layer on work. Those and that actually is how Web3 is being built. There are these protocols that can be used in any interface, any application. So if you get the protocol similar to HTTP and SMTP for the web and for email, and everybody has lots of different web browsers and lots of different email clients, such that you could have protocols for social and everything that I just named, and, and you can use whatever client you want to view. Jamila's art or your gallery or whatever you want to show off. So this is why I want to buy NFTs from my friends because one, I just want to support my friends, <laughs> right? Two, I'm into the causes that they're into and I want to be able to show off their causes. And then three, I, some of them are starting businesses, right? And even at Prota, we invest holistically in entrepreneurs to promote human flourishing. If we could just buy a little NFTs as a way of supporting these entrepreneurs, that could be super cool. And we could have our own gallery at Prota where we're like, here's all the NFTs for the entrepreneurs that we work with. This is what I, this is why I think I said at the beginning, I think it's both awesome for all these reasons. And it's just kind of ridiculous that everybody's just making a little pudgy penguin knockoff and then pumping the price and then rugging everybody selling at the top and then sort of scheming everybody, all these retail investors out of their, and, uh, right. Pardon, pardon my language right now, but I do think like bored apes and pudgy penguins, and uh, I think there is it cyberpunks and like all of them. Some of them are definitely like fu's to the. I actually right. didn't the, want to use a bad word. Cryptopunks. Crypto <laughs> yeah, cryptopunks. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I think a lot of it is so much of it is like fu's to the system. But there's also this weird flip side of that side of art just doesn't get good representation, right? Like, mm. I, I know it sounds weird, but um, 
there was like a while where this whole thing was like suicide girls or it was these models that were very like goth in appearance and you know had this right. very specific style and everybody was like this is going to be like the next thing and uh and you know and and like modeling and this is going to be you know this is where we're going to be like sourcing or whatever and I, I feel like it like never took off mm. but i think it's because there's sort of this like goth like hip-hop um punk aesthetic that exists in the world cyberpunk i would even call it that like exists in the world that like just doesn't really get like that much attention like and yeah. it gets attention from like younger people right but I just think that they're like people are like not nah, like they it's like icky like what is this vampires I don't know I don't get it like you know what I mean like there's, there's that and I I think that group is just like chomping at the bit like they're like no like I I made yeah. this I think it's cool like you know my my opinion matters and there yeah. are, there are new markets being created everywhere not only in all these yeah. new blockchains that are being created but the NFT galleries that are in these blockchains the metaverses that then have NFT galleries in those metaverses, the different games that are going to be swapping NFTs. So your, your sword in this game can be the same sword in the, in the other game. It is impossible for us to, even right now to imagine all the new markets that are being created. And it's not just pump and dump, right? There, there are certain members that are influential politically and otherwise that are just basically saying it's all schemes and pump and dump. While yes, there's, it's worse in many cases than that. Like there's a, definitely an ugly and we all should be aware of that. There's a lot more happening than just that. There's a way for people to express themselves, get paid money for that, to be part of a community, to promote social causes, to promote their businesses, right? This whole spectrum. This I think is a message for the regulators to be, to be aware of that it's more than just this financial scare, scare thing. And yeah, and it's yeah. important because you know, as of this recording, yesterday the White House issued a an executive order, basically saying, "Hey, America, like we actually are going to take this more seriously. Like this is part of innovation, and we're not going to just react and 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 just clamp down on this and make NFTs and and DeFi and cryptocurrency go away. We we want to methodically think how can we help Americans? How can we promote human flourishing? How can we even in the executive order?" It, it, pr it promoted diversity, equity, inclusion. It, it wants all the different aspects in yeah. this new future. And I think, I don't know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty encouraged right now. <laughs> well, here's here, here. I'll even take it back to like, I know we're talking about NFTs, but like just a thought about cryptocurrency, right? Hmm. Like, let's say you live in a country where 200 is enough to serve, and you can simply increase your income using cryptocurrency by 5%. Now to like most of us, we'd be like, oh, like 5% of $200, like, you know, who cares, right? But to that, that makes a huge difference. So this is why those those things actually do matter, right? Because there are kids right now sitting on the computer, sitting around trying to figure out how to make money online. And it's all your like usual IZ scams. There's, there's ones that are going to sit there and they're going to be like, okay, how does this cryptocurrency work? Okay, I have $100. Can I make it into $102? So $102. What can I do with this $102? Can I five and arts and we like when you're in a place of like affluence, you forget how much of a difference that little bit of money style yeah. and how, once they start figuring out how to how the right it, it seems like uh it seems almost trivial, right because I think you know when you look at some place like when you think about like the White House or you think about 
like, well, we've got to regulate it. You know, there's millions of dollars going out and when you think about the average person and how maybe $500 a month could easily change, you know, it might get them a better place to live, you know, yeah. it's payment on a car, yeah. you know, it's food for their children. If you're in a position of power and you're not paying attention to this and you're literally just taking another way, um, another income, another way that people can make income. And the reality situation is that divide is getting bigger and bigger. So, you know, if the government can find ways to, you know, to, you know, keep this safe and to teach people and to sort of embrace cryptocurrency and even make it not that it's not legitimate, but like legitimize it. I think that's a big way to get like Americans to have a come up, if that makes sense. It's good. I love it. All right. Well, any final words, any, anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure to get out to, to the audience about this space? Um, I think two things is one, definitely be careful. Like there are a lot of, um, Will is not incorrect. There's a lot of scammers and some of them are really smart and they will figure out all sorts of crazy ways to like, you know, um, get it in there. But two, if you're creating anything right now, I think you should turn it into an NFT. Mm. In fact, scan your passport, turn that into an NFT. <laughs> driver's license turn it into an nft like everything that you own get turn it into an nft you know family portraits turn it into an nft why not like and and you know let's see what happens i think that i i think that we're going to be living more and more in this digital space every every single year i think you're going to be amazed at how quickly we adapt to this technology so yeah turn it into an nft turn this podcast into an nft when we're done will we right. probably, you know, we should, we should probably do that. At least take yeah. clips from it and sell those as NFTs. Yeah. Right, exactly. All right. That's, that's good homework assignment for us. Yeah. All right. Well, Jamila, if those who want to continue the conversation with you, how can, how can they find you online? You can find me, uh, the best way is actually to email me. I'm old school. Uh, Jamila at protolabs.com is the best way to get a hold of me. Um, you can always, if you are in the protoverse, uh, I'm sorry, proto ecosystem, you can always contact me over Slack. I'm happy to answer any questions that you might have or just have a conversation with you. So, yeah. Awesome. All right, Jamila. Your friend. <laughs> really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Well, This was great. Thank you for having me. All right. A couple quick things before you go. Number one, I have a general newsletter where I write about technology and startups and health science and teaching people to code. And I write about a variety of different subjects that we talk about on this show. So if you go to wclittle.com, there you'll be able to subscribe and you'll also be able to subscribe to particular topics. If you're just interested in one or a few of them, you'll be notified right when I publish new content in those areas. Number two, my partners and I at Proto Ventures have a portfolio company called Startup Rocket. If you go to startuprocket.com, there you'll be able to receive coaching guides and customize an operations framework for you and your team and your advisors to be on the same page in terms of what is the appropriate next step for you and your entrepreneurial journey. And finally, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review anywhere that you have listened to this podcast or watched this podcast, it'd be super helpful to help those who might be interested in consuming this content as well. Thank you.